0: Listening to Podoc Fancast, a podcast about the Podoc saga created by Podoc fans, and we're your hosts. My name is Rita, I live in England, I Tumblr at Princess of Podoc, and I tweet at Rita Bites.
1: And I'm Michelle. I live in the States. You can find me on Tumblr at Poldark Muses and I tweet at musings. And on this week's podcast, we will be recapping and discussing episode 506, which aired this past Sunday night on BBC One. So, this is your weekly spoiler warning for all you folks outside the UK who haven't seen the episode yet. As for the rest of us, let's dive into a recap of the episode.
0: Okay, so the episode began on the cliffs of Cornwall, where Demelza set the first stone for the new school. Not the greatest location for a school, if you ask us. Little Timmy takes a fool in the playground, and he might plummet to his death. But yeah, I guess.
1: (laughs) Yeah, spectacular view, massive liability. Uh, Meanwhile, back in London and Ross was doing everything he possibly could to try and release Ned from prison, giving impassioned speech number 103 at Parliament and begging, not that, Mr. Wickham, for some assistance. He was told to shut the hell up and detach himself from Ned. Goodness, haven't we been saying that all season long? Um, But this is Ross Poldark we're talking about, so instead he visited Ned in jail. Now that he is locked up, Ned is suddenly hit by a bout of remorse for his own stupidity. He realises that he should have kept his own, his head down and his mouth shut. Too little, too late, Mr. The King is Mad.
0: Meanwhile, Snidely Will Luggan, and his uncle are discussing Ned's impending trial. The Crown have afforded him due process this time around, but they still want to, quote, help justice along a bit, end quote by circulating the names of potential jurors and weeding out anyone who might at all be sympathetic to Ned. And who's in charge of their selection? Why, good old, impartial Mr. Merceron. (laughs) Cut to another scene of Ross going to him for help. Will he ever learn?
1: Uh, Cecily talks to her father about Geoffrey Charles' proposal. Ralph, who has spent years amassing a fortune built off the back of slaves, does not want to hand all his money off to a penniless Poldark. He wants to see her married to someone, quote, worthy of her station, end quote, i.e., equally filthy rich. So Cecily and Geoffrey Charles meet up and decide that they have to enact their plan ASAP but unfortunately for them, they're being followed by thoroughly unstealthy spies that report back to Sir George about their secret meetings. He isn't too bothered by them. In fact, he revels in the knowledge that their pain will be all the greater when they're torn apart. Gosh, George. And that's going to be very soon. George pushes the wedding forward to the day after tomorrow, a quiet affair given that he was so recently widowed.
0: After a very adorable scene where Demelza is running around trying to get the kids clothed and fed before school, hashtag relatable, my eyes started bleeding from the sight of naked Drake Morwenna (sighs) (laughs) post-coital. Apparently, Morwenna's really magically cured of her PTSD and they've been banging a whole bunch. (laughs) Elsewhere, Human Sunshine, Sam Kahn's teaching Rosina (laughs) to read from the Bible, of course. (laughs) She praises his patience and kindness and says that because they're both alone all the time, dot, 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 (laughs) Sam, take the hint. Now, Sam eventually admits to Drake that he's been thinking about asking Rosina to marry him, which is a bit of a leap from teaching her to read, but I digress. (laughs) Naturally, Tessa's spidey senses start to tingle that people are happy, and she decides she just absolutely has to ruin it. She starts going to Preacher Corn for help, <laughs> <laughs> repenting for her sins and giving him the flirty eye.
1: No, <laughs> no, that is definitely not the squinty eye. <laughs> <laughs> it's now the day of the trial and Ned, ever the showman, has shown up in his red coat. A magnificent display of patriotism. Unfortunately, he is accused of being at an, quote, illegal political meeting, end quote, with other people who had oaths and were planning the cold-blooded murder of the king, which is all kind of the truth if you look at last week's scenes through a distorted prism of melodrama and malevolence. But this next bit is pure invention. How would they achieve this? By turning a ceremonial cannon on His Majesty's carriage as he passed on his way to the House of Commons and the ultimate aim of this act of terror to signal the start of a revolt, to overthrow the government and crown, and to establish a republic to emulate that of France. Outrageous! And what with England being at war with France this guy is fanning the flames of Ned's funeral pyre.
0: Zaki comes to Demelza with the news that someone is stealing from them.
1: Or comes up from the mine, is
0: stored as we belong to do, but when it comes to be processed on the remains. They both agree that it must be someone working for them that knows the workings of the mine. She goes full on into 007 mode and does some spying <laughs> on Jacka, who leads her to his smuggling operation. She witnesses a group of men carrying bags out to a rowboat. is not entirely certain what they're actually smuggling, though, and decides to hold out on contacting authorities until they have evidence.
1: Meanwhile, back in the courtroom, and the prosecution has called up witness after witness that testifies to Ned screaming his head off about the king. Ned is furious and wants to testify, but instead, his barrister calls up Ross, who gives a glowing recount of the colonel's life serving the crown. Next up on the stand is Dwight Ennis, who cites numerous head injuries and viruses that Ned has contracted before he reached Honduras and then claims that he believes permanent brain damage has occurred and that Ned should be found not guilty by reason of insanity. Bit of a one-trick pony, that Dwight. (laughs) After 10 minutes of deliberation, the jury comes back with a verdict. 10 minutes, people. 10. Ned is found guilty of treason and sentenced to hang, and then a whole bunch of other gruesome stuff, referred to as being drawn and quartered.
0: Ross decides he wants to stage another prison break. Time to whip at that <laughs> idiot trademark again, people. <laughs> and he manages to guilt Dwight into coming along.
1: Very well. I will join you to make sure he doesn't break more heads than he needs to. You're insane.
0: Preach it, Dwight. Their plan is to pretend Ned needs a doctor and smuggle Ross in as Dwight's assistant. They bribe the guard to leave the door open and after Dwight leaves the prison, Ned and Ross sneak out of the cell down the hall that is crawling with guards and they make their way into the sewers where Ned has... An abrupt change of heart slash personality, realising that by breaking him out, Ross is endangering his wife and his children, an epiphany Ross probably should have come to by himself, if you ask me. But anyway, Ned tells him that when Ross was describing him in court, what he really heard was a description of Ross and that he wants Ross to make the world a fairer, stronger, wiser place by continuing his work. Jag me the next morning ned prepares for his execution and is visited by kitty who helps compose his speech for the gallows they reminisce about the first time they met and kitty finally tells ned she is pregnant q sunbeam of god or something on her baby belly
1: cecily and geoffrey charles have made their escape and are on their way to gretna green when their carriage is abruptly pulled over stand and deliver <laughs> Um, And they are dragged back to London by Ralph's henchmen. They literally drag Cecily to the altar and force Geoffrey Charles to watch. And they've done a number on his face, too. So obviously it was not a pleasant ride back. <laughs> uh, <laughs> George makes a snide comment about Cecily becoming Geoffrey Charles' stepmother. Jeffrey Charles loses his shit and tells George Elizabeth only married him for his money and that she only ever loved Ross. Yeah. (laughs) Anyway, when the priest asks if there are any impediments to the marriage, Cecily declares that she has, quote, given herself body and soul, end quote, (laughs) to Jeffrey Charles and George is unwilling to marry yet another woman who might be carrying a poldark child, so he legs it in his very pretty stockings. Uh, back at his mansion, George storms to his room, telling his uncle that there will be, quote, no other female. Elsewhere, Cecily is locked in her room and told that in one month she will be traveling to Honduras. You'd think she, they left her up there just to make sure that she wasn't preggers. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah, I think that's
0: why they're waiting a month. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Anyway, it's hanging time. And Ned addresses the people, yet again protesting his innocence of the charges and proclaiming that one day he hopes that the nation will be a beacon of democracy, freedom, justice and humanity. Spoiler warning, I live here, hasn't happened yet. Anyway, (laughs) Ned is then led to the gallows and hung. Ross goes to Ned's cells to collect his things. With him is Mr. Merceron, who he bitterly comments that hell would be an improvement on this place, i.e. the prison, and that the governor of the jail should be strung up. Dramatic plot twist, close up on his face. Mm. Merceron is the governor (laughs) of the jail.
1: Ah! Ross looks
0: horrified and finally realises that he has been (laughs) fraternising with the enemy. (laughs) Uh, <laughs> oh, it only wow. took him five hours of this show.
1: <laughs> Back in Cornwall, and Sam is now teaching Tess to read. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> Much to the horror of everyone around him and to the disappointment of Rosina. Demelza walks the cliffs on her way home and runs into her husband, Ross. He runs into her arms and they kiss passionately. He tells her he is very glad to be home. That's a bit of an understatement. He tells her what happened and she encourages him to mourn and cry for Ned's loss and leaves him on the cliff top where Ross begins to cry and I, he cries so pretty. <laughs> <laughs> Anyhow, um,. Just as the violin sweeps you up into the emotion of the moment, Ross gets clobbered upside the head and dragged to a cave, as some evil henchman says. Compliments, Mr. Merser. Ha 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 ha! Okay, so time for talking.
0: <laughs> Did you like the episode?
1: A bit, despite the fact it caused my eyeballs to leak on several occasions. I want to take back all of the either evil blather I sent Ned's way. Okay, maybe not all. And, okay, he was a bit out of control. But nobody deserves to be executed for a crime they didn't commit. How about you?
0: Not really. Um, As you will see, because there's some rants coming. <laughs> um, I found it to be kind of dull, plodding, and predictable. All of the stuff surrounding Ned left me cold unlike you, I can't forget just how irritating he was for five (laughs) hours just because the sad violins are playing.
1: Oh. Well, I think the thing that it wasn't so much that um, I'd kind of set aside all of the ridiculousness that we've seen over the course of the last, uh, particularly the last couple episodes, Um, but it was seeing – Kitty's heartbreak, you know like during the trial um you know the the gentle touch that Dwight and Caroline share when they are at the the execution um you know and it was a real gentle touch of support for one another through you know what was supposed to happen, which was pretty gruesome and uh so it that was a little much that those were the things that really. Started to get me choked up. Although I, I, I will admit I did get suckered into the Ned speech about Ross and that kind of thing during the breakout because I'm a sappy sucker. <laughs> I can't help myself. Okay. Okay. Time for our histo- historical fact check.
0: So I'm sure that we have mentioned that the character of Ned is based on a real person, and now he's dead. We can finally get into discussing. The actual real-life person without fear of spoilers. So, yay!
1: <laughs> <laughs> no spoilers
0: ahead! Edward Despard was born in 1751 into a Protestant family in Coolrain, Ireland. Island. He was one of five brothers, four of whom served in the British military. He joined when he was 15 years old. He was promoted to lieutenant when he was just 21 and stationed in Jamaica. Three years later, the American War of Independence broke out. You might have heard of it. Yeah. And his regiment, contrary to the narrative of the show, remained in the West Indies. Never met Ross. (laughs) Nope. (laughs) Rather than joining the army, attempting to suppress the rebellion. Yeah. He served in the West Indies with credit, being promoted to captain after taking part in the unsuccessful 1780 San Juan Expedition. In 1782, he commanded a successful expedition to recover the British settlement of Black River on the Mosquito coast of present-day Honduras that the Spanish had taken. In 1783, the war was brought to an end by the Peace of Paris. Despard was subsequently made superintendent of the Bay of Honduras. He administered this British enclave and in 1785, he met and married a young black woman, Catherine Despard. There were various rumours about Catherine's background. By some accounts, she was the daughter of a Jamaican preacher. By others, she was an educated Spanish Creole. Recently uncovered parish records show that her mother was actually a free black woman of the parish of St. Andrews outside Kingston, Jamaica.
1: Previous to Edward's arrival, long-term white settlers had divided the Bay Territory informally among themselves. In his new role, Edward was now offering settlers parcels of land on which to build houses and grow crops, and he did so without distinction of color, distributing lots on an equal basis. The old settlers, as you would imagine, protested vigorously. They insisted to the Home Secretary that the rights of people of mixed color and Negroes should be subservient to those of the established Anglo-Saxon colonists. Despard replied to the Home Secretary that the decision, quote, must be governed by the laws of England, which knows no such distinction, end quote. Technically, he was quite correct. There was no color bar in English law, and the colonists were, in his phrase, a quote, a very arbitrary aristocracy, who were attempting to monopolize the new settlement's wealth. In 1790, Despard was forced to return to London to argue his case. By then, Catherine had given birth to their only son, James. From 1790 to 1792, these charges were investigated and he was suspended on half pay with his expenses from the Bay of Honduras withheld. Pursued by a further lawsuit from his enemies in the Bay, he was arrested and confined in King's Bench Prison from 1792 to 1794. During this period, he read Thomas Paine's Rights of Man, which gave eloquent voice to his own convictions, and when he left prison, he committed himself to campaigning for political reform. But with Britain at war with revolutionary France, these campaigns for political reform were the cause of acute anxiety to the government, and new laws were passed to make it easier to prosecute political dissidents for sedition and treason. Despard was placed under surveillance by espionage rings coordinated by the Home Office. They claim that during this period he associated with known revolutionaries and terrorists and was involved in plots with the Irish rebel militias and perhaps with the French enemy. The government swooped on the London Corresponding Society and the United Irish in 1798 after a group of suspects were arrested at Margate, one of whom was found to be carrying plans for an Irish Republican uprising to the French Directory. Edward was again arrested, and when the Great Rebellion broke in Ireland a few months later, the government suspended the right of habeas corpus, your right to be brought before a judge basically, and Despard and his fellow suspects found themselves confined indefinitely without trial.
0: Catherine began a campaign to agitate for Despard's release. She enlisted the help of the independent MP Sir Francis Burdett who raised the question in the House of Commons. A letter by Catherine was read in the course of the debate in which she reported that her husband was being held without either fire or candle, table, knife, fork, a glazed window or even a book to read. The government minister George Canning implied that Catherine was being used as a mouthpiece by political subversaries. Despard was held for three years before the suspension of habeas corpus lapsed and he was freed, in theory at least, without a stain on his character. But within a year he was arrested once more in the Oakley Arms, a Lambeth pub that you may have heard of, in the company of a number of disaffected soldiers suspected of plotting a mutiny. This time he was charged with high treason, an alleged conspiracy to assassinate King George the Third and spark a Republican revolution. Despard pled not guilty but was convicted on the evidence of government informers. He was sentenced to be publicly hung, drawn and quartered, a sentence that had barely been handed down in living memory.
1: Catherine persisted with her campaign on his behalf. She approached Lord Nelson, who had appeared as a character witness at Despard's trial, to plead with the prime minister for leniency. Together, the Despard spent their time in prison together writing a petition to the king. Either as a result of these appeals or fear of public unrest, the public dismemberment and disbowelment were waived, but Despard was still to be hung and beheaded. Catherine's final service to her husband was to insist on his hereditary right to be buried in St. Paul's Cathedral, a campaign she won despite protests to the government from the Lord Mayor of London. After his death, she was supported by a pension from Sir Francis Burdett and may have spent time in Ireland before dying in Summerstown, London, in 1815. Their son James joined the French army but returned to Britain after the Napoleonic Wars. The final trace of him in the family records is an episode recounted by General John Despard, Edward's older brother, who was leaving a London theater when he heard a carriage driver calling the family name. He made his way towards the carriage he assumed was his. And, quote, there appeared a flashy Creole with a flashy young lady on his arm, and they both stepped into it. And that is the last known account of James Despard. Yeah. What a story.
0: I know. Isn't it better than what we got on the show? Oh,
1: yeah. Okay. Uh, speaking of stories, let's get into the storylines.
0: Yeah. So Ned, Ross, the whole Dwight. I guess Caroline was in there too. What did you think mm-hmm. of that?
1: Oh, yeah. Um, I could have skipped the court courtroom shenanigans, to be honest, uh, because as you noted in the recap, it was yet one more fiery speech by Ross and Dwight's testimony... I get that it was a last ditch effort to try and save the man's life, but you do realize this is the third time he's testified about delusions. The first being when Ross was on trial in season two. Um, but, you know, like you said, kind of one trick pony, um, or, or I should say, like you said in the recap that I read anyway, I, um, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I will say uh, the scene where Dwight calls Ross insane was probably my favorite of the series. It
0: was magnificent.
1: That was was such an awesome scene. And, and, you know, when when, uh, Caroline uh, says that um, Dwight is going to help you, Ross... Uh, in this whole thing. And and Dwight looks at her Caroline, are you mad? (laughs) (laughs) And she basically rebukes him and says, you seem to forget that you were the beneficiary of a similar effort, blah, blah, blah. Uh, It it, it was... Oh, God, I love that scene so much.
0: (laughs) God, Luke Norris obviously enjoyed that. (laughs)
1: Uh, Yes, yes. And, oh, the the following scene where they go to the uh, jail and Ross kind of jiggles the, um, you know, whatever it is that he's carrying. And Dwight says, you know, watch those things, fool. It was
0: like, <laughs> yeah, he says he's going to have him horse whipped. I was like, wow, you're really in character, I... Dwight. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, he went deep. I'm telling you,
0: Dwight and Caroline need that cop buddy show where they solve crime. Dwight would be yes. in for going undercover. <laughs> yes. Uh, But um, as for the actual storyline, I don't care about Ned. And I can't make myself do it just because it's convenient for the plot. He spent five weeks irritating the shit out of me. So now he was up for (laughs) trial, I was honestly just quite happy that it was being resolved. But of course, it was done in the most drawn-out, predictable, melodramatic way possible. It just felt Mm -hmm. cheesy and... um after doing all that research on the real edward despard i'd be even more annoyed he was actually a really interesting figure and i think he is an example of an honorable man of crown who was over the course of a few years broken down by repeated institutionalization much more mm-hmm. than we ever saw in the show which eroded his faith in the law and the government and Every time they locked him away, they made him increasingly more radical. Mm-hmm. And I they believe he was a radical. That's a story, guys. Yeah. A far better story than a guy who goes about screaming his head off about the king being mad, then gets arrested. Then it's like, mm, I probably shouldn't have done that. Uh, <laughs> but then he gets hung anyway. Whoa. Um, there's nothing interesting in watching a good guy hang for the millionth time on this show like the riots like the jailbreaks like everything else it's been done before and you need a new angle if you're gonna try and show us the same thing in the fifth season of the show
1: girl that was a rant fit for the gods (laughs) and i i i agree with you i mean it it well well said so demelza and the theft from the mine
0: i mean to call this a storyline is a bit of a joke (laughs) (laughs) this was essentially two or three 20 second scenes uh Demelza was just largely absent from this episode I'm sure this is all set up for next week's finale but I would have preferred to give us something more substantial to do this week you really felt Mm -hmm. her absence
1: yeah the amount of screen time Demelza um has gotten this week is effing criminal Um, hell, the decided lack of Romelza in the last couple episodes makes me want to write a congressperson or something. (laughs) Um, and now we have two episodes to get our fix. I am not optimistic, people.
0: Ross might be passed out for most of it, so (laughs) you're not going to get Romelza. Yeah, seriously.
1: Seriously. Okay, so Sam, Rosina, and Tess. Now, this
0: storyline feels weirdly tacked on. Tess started making eyes at Sam in episode one, lest we forget, which was Mm -hmm. over a year ago. Actually, Ned was hung in uh, 1803, so this could be three years ago (laughs) by the (laughs) timeline of the show. But, like, nothing happened about that until now. The storyline should have happened at the start of the season because it just felt weirdly out of tone with the rest of the episode. Yeah.
1: Um, And... You know, I hate the way that they've kind of slapped this storyline together. Um, And, you know, like you said, this is something we should have seen develop through the season. Uh, You know, I know that there have been a couple of scenes where Sam has exchanged, uh, you know, clearly meaningful looks with Rosina um, you know that happened uh, a couple episodes ago, but it's been it's been far too few and way too far between, uh, in order for this to feel like uh, this is something that has organically been developing uh, over the course of this kind of three year time span that we've watched um, for the show this season, um, and having Tess drift from one troublemaking scheme to another hasn't done anything to make me really feel for her plight there have been a couple of moments where you know she has said things that bring the the issue um you know right up to the surface um you know the scene where Demelza is showing her the banknote and, you know, see, you can read here and, and Tess says, I can't read. You know, that was an incredibly powerful, um, impactful scene that kind of capitalized on or didn't capitalize, but it, it it really noted what the underlying theme of Tess's character is. You know, she is is someone who is not... Um, as fortunate as Demelza has been. She's someone who is living uh, the life of a commoner and um, all of the things that go along with it. Um, But, you know, she's been weaving her way in and out of all of these troublemaking scenes, and it's just not doing anything uh, for me. Um, Furthermore, you know, she and Jacka are fighting, scheming, and plotting against the only members of the gentry, quote-unquote, who really give a tinker's damn about them in the first place. They can go hey, eh, no, (laughs) never mind. (laughs) Uh, Don't need another hanging in this damn series. But the scene where Sam and Rosina were reading together and kind of saying these little kind of hinty things back and forth, it was so sweet. It was so sweet. I swooned hard.
0: Okay, so let's take a detour from the cute to just the horrific.
1: Yeah, the Drake and Morwenna storyline, here we go.
0: So I thought I hated the storyline before, but then I saw their weird morning after scene and the what the fuck feeling from last week got multiplied by like (laughs) a factor of a thousand. They're like Mm -hmm. something out of a cheesy romantic comedy. Did Debbie get whacked in the head too? Because amnesia is the only acceptable explanation for writing a recovery from PTSD and rape this way, literally.
1: Yeah, I, 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 I can't with this scene, this, this storyline. Um, I'm still upset and pissed off about the magical curing of Morwenna's PTSD. Um, and quite honestly, it, this kind of thing, it's the stuff that bad fan fiction is made of, rather than taking the time to do it right you wind up creating something that is supposed to explain away um, you know the several years of systematic um, abuse that she has received since the first day of her marriage so I I, I can't.
0: I can't believe (laughs) that I had to watch Drake be naked. I mean...
1: Oh, you just saw his, like, upper chest, girl. But Not I knew like he, he was naked everything. underneath
0: the sheet, so it was, like, mentally scarring.
1: <laughs> oh, well, let's shift over to um, the ship that has taken our hearts um, for Series 5, the George, Jeffrey, Charles, and Cecily yes. storyline. Um,
0: I think this is the highlight of the episode for me. But, it again, completely underserved by the writing, Uh, All all of it happened like in a hurry and mostly off screen. Uh, You're supposed to show and not tell Debbie, especially on a TV show. (laughs) Um, I think I could probably fit all of their scenes into like a two-minute clip. But anyway, I Mm -hmm. really enjoyed the Gretna Green like running away and the wedding scene in particular was phenomenal. All the actors did a really great job, but especially Freddie Wise and Jack Farthing who did like, Reaction oh, yeah. shots for days.
1: <laughs> Just incredible, incredible. Um, Jeffrey Charles and Cecily are a couple. Are not a couple to screw with. <laughs> yeah, don't mess with them because Jeffrey Charles is going to throw massive shade, and Cecily's basically going to say, "Uh huh, I slept with him. What you going to do about it?" Buddy and soul. <laughs> the soul was
0: involved, people.
1: Yes. That's some real freaky shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, so uh, what was your favorite scene?
0: Obviously Jeremy singing to his mama <laughs> because she couldn't mm. sleep. It was just so adorable. I would love more kid stuff, please.
1: Oh, that was lovely. Uh oh, that was so, so sweet. Um, for me, it was the scene at Dwight and Caroline's when Ross proposed the jailbreak. Honestly, I... Dwight's response, Caroline's retort, the whole thing. It was just genius. It was genius. And your least favorite scene?
0: Oh, so much to pick from. Um, (laughs) Either the dumb Joanna morning after scene or the courtroom scene that we've seen 50 times already
1: Mm -hmm. or
0: the hanging that didn't really move me. Uh, Jeffrey Charles seeming to know more about Ross and Elizabeth than any son should know
1: or
0: <laughs> anything about the stupid jailbreak, because, I mean, come on, another jailbreak. Ugh, I could keep going.
1: <laughs> yeah, you've named pretty much all of them. So um, um, I would have to agree with you pretty hard about every single one of them. Although I did enjoy the start of the jailbreak situation as i mentioned before as,
0: as soon as dwight left it just took a turn for the worst
1: <laughs> oh let's see okay performance of the week oh
0: freddie weiss for looking so incredibly yeah. fucked up in that wedding scene <laughs> he was like i'm gonna
1: murder yeah, everybody here <laughs> yes fucked up but mighty af man um so how many tricorns uh, would you give this episode
0: so emotionally I would say that I'm in the minus numbers. Ooh. But intellectually, 1.5. Ouch. I'm never watching this episode again, y'all. Uh <laughs> I've already seen it three times, that's enough for me. But the one tricorn <laughs> is for the Jeffrey Charles Cecily plot, because that was actually quite good. And the 0. 0.5 is for yeah. Jeremy Poldark, Light of My Heart. <laughs>
1: Damn, uh, I gave it a three after my first watch, you know, on the poll that we we did, but upon reflection, I've knocked it down to a two.
0: you know, I was at like a two or a three before rewatching. Something about writing the recap really exposes all the bad writing to you, and I realized that, like, wow, there was large chunks of the episode that I did not like <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: Yeah, that is very true. That is very true. So uh, what happened on the poll this week?
0: So 58% of you gave it five tricorns.
1: What?
0: <laughs> so they do not agree with us. No. Uh, four tricorns, 23%. Three tricorns, 8%. Two tricorns, 10%. I'm in the 10%, hmm. baby.
1: Yeah. Uh, I was one of the, the 8% in the threes, but if I could have changed my vote, it would have been knocked down um it, i was i was not pleased okay so um critics corner who have we got this week
0: this week's coat comes from old faithful louise Miller of denim Geek. so quote there we are then ned's dead baby ned's dead those of us with poor impulse control and access to wikipedia knew it was coming which flattened <laughs> the effect of the courtroom and escape scenes rather However hard Ross shook his curls to protest Despard's Innocent, if you knew this story ended on the gallows, then it went there with foot dragging inevitability. <laughs> there were highlights the wily e. coyote style plot for which Ned was framed, turning a ceremonial cannon on the king, the looniest of tunes, <laughs> the prison press ups, Dwight finally telling everyone that, in his considered medical opinion, Despard was off his trolley. (laughs) Ned's escape beanie hat. (laughs) (laughs) For all that, it was a sorry tale that offered scant comfort. Corruption won, and idealism, however however foolhardy, was left twitching on the end of a rope. The unscrupulous rich paid for their chosen outcome and proved the perennial truth that wealth puts people above the law. Who else had searing indictment of the justice system as a vulnerability to corruption on their Series 5 bingo card? Poldark, <laughs> it's not all pilchards.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, I love them. I love them. It's amazing. Okay. So, time to dive into the inbox. And thank you all so much for getting uh, back to us about your thoughts. Um, we've... <laughs> A little overwhelmed by the response, <laughs> um, but uh, we really appreciate um, your your comments a great deal. Uh, so uh, from Facebook, we had a couple of uh, comments. Uh, Nan said, uh, So I didn't start out as a Ned fan. Found him quite annoying, but what ha- what happened to him made me very sad. I can see if he was truly guilty, but the setup was despicable. And Arlene said, Ask and you shall receive. I just posted that I missed seeing Sam and would like to see more of him. And voila, here he is. Thanks. <laughs> I've, and thank you. Over on
0: Instagram, D Wake Man, D Wake Man. <laughs> I'm still struggling <laughs> with these names. People <laughs> said sensational episode. Very emotional when Ned got executed and when Kitty put her husband's hand on her tummy to let him know she was having a baby. Also, seeing Ross break down. A roller coaster episode. Love the series.
1: The scene where Kitty uh, tells Ned that she is pregnant or puts uh, her hands on her, her tummy, the expression that um, Vincent Reagan had on his face when the realization of what she was trying to tell him um, occurred was breathtaking um i know you said you didn't want to watch the episode again but um i would have to say that that was um that scene where they're kind of saying their goodbyes uh was to me incredibly moving
0: i thought it was i found it really really quite cheesy as soon as they announced that (laughs) kitty was pregnant i was like she's gonna tell him when he's hung isn't she and then watching it happen, <laughs> as I predicted, was just so. Oh my god! It just feels like one of those things that you you see written a thousand times in like daytime soap operas. But that's just my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um. over on Tumblr, Carolite World said, "Damn, that episode was emotional whiplash, but in a good way." I may not have liked Ned at all. Capital lock. Caplocks so all oh, but his death was some heavy stuff, Jesus. I feel so sorry for Kitty. I will say that Drake and Morena, though barely in this episode, irritated me with the way their storyline is being rushed to a close, mm. and poor Demelza was barely there. On a lighter note though, Dwight seeing and taking the opportunity to call Ross a fool was one of the best things ever, <laughs> and adds to the 10,000 reasons. I love him.
1: 100,000. Girl, girl. Oh, wow. Dropping. Five. Five zeros. 100,000. 000. You just can't if there's not mm-hmm. a, um, a comma.
0: I need that comma, <laughs> bitch. I need that comma. hmm
1: Anonymous said, uh, fantastic episode, girls. You even felt sorry for Ned. How did Ross get out of the jail and Ned back in bed? is spying on the cliffs in that green coat and her red hair red hair lol. Yeah. <laughs> I was I was noticing that too, and I was like, uh, next time you go out spying B girl, find those clothes you were wearing the night of the mm-hmm. dog fight, including the hat. <laughs> that that red hair and fancy green coat are a wee bit noticeable. <laughs> well, I'm pretty
0: sure Russ made her burn that outfit to get rid of the crawlers. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh yeah. Ah, uh, poor Valentine, hearing that horrible, that horrendous sentence. Yeah, God, that was that was. I mean, why why would you bring a child that age to a to a trial
0: like that? I mean, that? to be fair, I he mean, didn't take him to the execution, so <laughs> he's not there, he's not hit rock bottom on parenting yet, but he's pretty close.
1: <laughs> he was he was too busy to go to the execution, uh, attempting to get married. <laughs> I bet if he didn't have that wedding on his <laughs> agenda, he would have very happily been I'm at surprised he wasn't like,
0: Valentine, you and your nurse are going to go on an outing to see this traitor hang.
1: <laughs> Learn a lesson. Oh, God. Um, okay, back to Anonymous's comment. Um, if only we had gotten this episode last week, it would have been better too little too late on characters we are not invested in, in my opinion. Even tonight was 55 minutes on Ned, and we had less than three minutes of Romelza, which is so sad for the last series. It's like uh, Debbie Horsfield thought less of them would be okay. I wonder why. You and me both.
0: (laughs) Debbie Horsfield, please write (laughs) in and explain.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, like like that's Yeah, Anyway, so
0: Anonymous said... I'm a Francis fan. fan. (laughs) Try saying that too quickly. I'm a Francis fan, and I was dying for some Francis content, especially with Jeffrey Charles being a proper character this season. Maybe even the recognition about Elizabeth and Francis's marriage. But what the hell was that? Yeah. No, (laughs) no, 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 no. Why? Why does he even know the details? (laughs) No. Also, Bad Sam. Bad Sam.
1: Uh, let's see, uh, Catherine Jane Wade, oh, I love that name, uh, said, I enjoyed this episode more than I expected to, considering how much time was spent on Ned. I thought that Kitty and Ned's final scene was beautifully done, (laughs) uh, the trial and hanging were suspenseful, and Ross crying on the cliff was devastating, I do wish more time had been spent on Demelza as the mind plot line didn't have enough scenes and felt tacked on to the episode. Finally, a shout out to my favorite scene, this episode, Jeremy singing Demelza to sleep.
0: Single script just said, Podark, you're back on form. This episode was emotional, exciting, and left me wanting more. Can I have whatever they're having? Um, the actors Please, playing yeah. Kitty yeah. and Ned did a great job in their last scene together, but I thought the trial and hanging scenes went too long. I kept comparing the trial mm-hmm. to season two. I knew the ending to both, but Ross's trial managed to be more suspenseful. I thought George was going to mm-hmm. have a relapse when Jeffrey Charles taunted him about not knowing <laughs> if Cecily's <laughs> first child might be a Polduck or Wulluggan. I literally rolled my eyes when he told everyone that Elizabeth only loved Ross. <laughs> I don't think that's true. And how would he know that? <laughs> Was not prepared for Ross to be knocked out in the final scene. I feel like there's a lot to cover in the last two episodes. Oh, you and me both, sister. Yeah. Uh-huh. <gasps> um, And the last anonymous said, oh, why? Why the storyline for Carolite?
1: Why?
0: I think in reference <laughs> to the preview which we will talk about later
1: okay uh, so from email absolutely addicted poldarchy um, likes Sam and Rosina Dwight's valiant attempt at having Ned <laughs> declared insane Dwight telling Ross he's is insane <laughs> uh, George telling Valentine no, will, no one will replace his mother Jeremy singing to Demelza Ned stopping the escape attempt telling Ross he must face the music and also telling Ross to carry on Drake and Morwenna finally being together and their happiness. Team CCGC. Truth teller Joffrey. Uh, George walking away out of the church. Back in Cornwall, the sweet Romelza embrace when Ross tells her he's never been happier to be home. And when she reassures him, telling him it's okay to weep for Ned. Very touching. Dislikes. A school being built on a (laughs) cliffside? Poor Demelza now having to contend with thievery at the mine. Tess coming on to Sam Drake's half-naked body. (laughs) Demelza witnessing both her brothers coupled up and happy while she is alone. George taking Valentine to Ned's trial. The prison break attempt. The pardon. Oh, wait. Not a pardon? Ooh, no disemboweling. Got it. The hanging's still on. (laughs) And no Romelza loving. The shock at the end. What in the H?
0: yeah where is that going mm-hmm. so our next email was from other michelle who in the following email made me fall in love with her and i think i want to be her best friend okay one ned's storyline took too long could have been done in three episodes preach it number two <clears throat> ross sobbing uncontrollably for ned what the fuck Literally, what the fuck? List of people who died who Ross did not sob uncontrollably for in chronological order. His father, Uncle Charles, which is understandable. Jim Carter, chose five-day drunk instead, more in character. Julia, (laughs) Francis, don't even get me started on this. Aunt Agatha, Elizabeth, the saint in this version, or in the end of season three episode nine when he thought demelza had left him ned a guy he spent two to three years with versus 15 to 20 years apart yeah him he sobs for who is this guy he's not the ross from the books or the first tv adaptation number three Mm. not a fan of this season so far Maybe it'll turn around in the end. For me, the season the five seasons would have been better spent giving adequate time for the stories of the first eight novels. I think this <laughs> I think this season misses the essence of what the books are about, especially with Ross and Demelza, and changes the natures of the main characters so much that at times they're not recognizable. Don't get me wrong, season one was pretty perfect and season two wonderful as well. Parts of season four were good. I like how she completely missed out season three, trash season. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, but this season, not so much oh, for me God. at least.
1: Hmm. Thanks, Michelle. Um, from Ivy, man, crazy ending. Was not expecting that. Just when Ross was finally discovering he could cry, the sexiest cry ever. Sorry, but true. Even with Mister Wiggins stapled onto his poor head. <laughs> Um, I rolled my eyes so hard it hurt when I first heard about Ross breaking Ned out, but with that sentence, hanged, drawn, and quartered, okay, Ross gets a pass. I would have done the same. Man, someone should have slipped Ned some cyanide or something. <laughs> Glad we didn't have to see that carried out. Ned was sometimes insufferable, but he didn't deserve to go out that like that. He redeemed himself. Poor Kitty. Ugh. Rough time period, man. Sheesh! Someone who should have been allowed to die is George. <laughs> we, <laughs> we get we should get a head count on how many people he's either directly had killed or played a major a major role in. Wish Dwight would have had a few sec would have been a few seconds too late in saving George from that fall. He is nastier and more disgusting than ever. I'm so glad Jeffrey Charles got that zinger in. Hey, dickwad, I guess marrying girls who desperately want another man is your thang. <laughs> oh, God. And Tess. Man, I'd love to clobber that one. Rosina getting burned again and by another carn boy, too? Taint right. Someone should explain to Sam that he's not Captain Savaho. <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh, wow. Oh,
1: God! Oh. Uh, here's hoping Sam wises up. Speaking of carn boys... I was not too impressed with that after-sex scene. Marwenna is all better. Tisk tisk, Debbie.
0: Again, Debbie, I know you're not listening, but write in and explain yourself. What the hell were you thinking?
1: <laughs> oh, God. And now it's time to shift over to wig talk. In
0: other what-were-you-thinking news... <laughs> <laughs> Can we wig talk? Can we wig talk? Talk about where it's growing. <laughs> oh my god! Okay, can we? We need to talk about the wig during the jailbreak. Just when you think oh. it can't get any worse, they bloody manage oh. it. Oh god. <laughs> they were like let's change the parting. like just let him yeah. keep the hat on i think you know the reason <laughs> i like the outdoor scene so much more this season is because he's wearing a hat then so i can pretend it's not <laughs>
1: happening yeah it uh it was particularly bad uh, this episode um it was lank didn't have any kind of life to it um and You know, even in the scene where he's sitting up on the cliffside and crying, it's like the wind was tossing it around (laughs) in directions that it really wasn't all that convenient (laughs) to film, I'm sure. And it's like
0: what's really weird about it is like the wind was moving the bottom but the top was glued on so strongly that there was no movement so it was so noticeable and like i was supposed to be watching his emotion but i was just like how is his head doing that (laughs) it's a freak of
1: nature oh god yeah that was that that thing just needs to be taken out and shot let's move on okay now let's listen to our preview for episode 507
0: Anything It's like he'd melted off the face of the earth. Old Ark has vanished. Vanished. Am I not bound to help the wife of a friend? Now the widow, a friend, test me up with some wickedness. And you know this because my father is too. This document must be stopped. They must be stopped. The Hyde Park incident was not sufficient. We must devise a worse deterrent. Alright, here's the episode description from Radio Times of episode seven. Demelza discovers the French are smuggling arms into Cornwall, but Ross is determined to take revenge on Merceron and Hanson for framing Ned and returns to London to confront them.
1: Oh, for God's sake. Fucking
0: hell, Ross. Can you just do one right thing sometime? Anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Sam continues to meet with Tess against all caution as Cecily and Geoffrey Charles plan their escape with Ross's help. But the danger that stalks the Poldarks follows swiftly. <sighs>
1: right, so he well, he
0: wakes up from being hit over the head and is like, "I'm yeah. gonna go back to London where I can get no, hit over the head more."
1: I mean, didn't he just say in this episode, "You know, if I have to go to London, it'll be too soon" or something along those lines? Yeah. Oh my god! Sure, go well, ahead. Why don't know. run on just back try and to keep London? Keep yourself alive for like a second. It, seriously, help your wife try and figure out who's stealing the mine. Remember the mine? Remember the mine? Remember when he was a miner?
0: Can we go back to that? Oh my
1: god. Yeah. So what... (laughs) So, what are you looking forward to in next week's episode? Well, I (laughs) was looking forward...
0: (laughs) I was looking forward until I read about Ross's returning to London to get revenge, so...
1: Yeah. This is not
0: ending.
1: Uh, It needs to end. I want there to be some kind of resolution to this whole Sam, Tess, Rosina thing, because... It's really fricking annoying me.
0: It, you know, it's not going to happen until the final. Like, she's going to, like, fuck it up for ages. And then in the last five <sighs> to ten minutes, everything gets a nice big bow happy ending. Tess gets pushed down a well or something. I don't know.
1: <laughs> oh, God. Well... Let's shift over to Poldark News. Poldark News! Poldark News! Uh, There's some big news in terms of scheduling, as we said last week. The next episode of Series 5 will air an hour earlier at 8 p.m. this Sunday. But we now know that the last episode of the show, Episode 8, will then air the next day, Monday, the 26th of August. What this means for the Poldark Fancast is that we will be trying to bring you two podcasts next week. Um, Expect a podcast to drop Monday afternoon, uh, recapping episode 7, and then another episode at the weekend, detailing episode 8. This is a lot of work to take on, guys, so um, please be patient with us. Uh, as Rita can only edit as quickly as her snacks allow yes. her.
0: <laughs> okay, so our match store is on sale. What? Yeah, what? You can get 35% off from August 21st to August 25th, uh, which is when episode 7 is. So head on over to mm-hmm. tpublic.com forward slash user forward slash fancast funds from the store help cover hosting costs for the podcast, so we'd really like it if
1: you could support us.
0: Uh, go on and get those discounts, baby.
1: Hmm. Okay, uh, it is time for a question from the Poldark card game. So I am kind of thumbing my way through the deck and closing my eyes and picking one. Okay. Let's hope it's not one we've done before. <laughs> i um, thinking of a number from one to three. So pick away. Three. Okay. At Hugh Dragon's ball, Captain McNeil asks Demelza to call him by his first name. What is it?
0: God, what is Captain McNeil's first name? <laughs> Fuck. Do you know the answer to this? Oh, yeah. Why do Mouth I feel them. like... Look, I only have characters from Outlander in my head, so I was going to say Roger, but that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> I was like, Neil? No, He's like, no, I don't know. I don't know. This is the first one I don't know.
1: <laughs> yes, it's Malcolm McNeil.
0: Oh, yeah.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: This is why yes. I had Outlander characters in my head. Okay, Malcolm.
1: <laughs> Fucking Scottish. Um, let's see. Uh, some of the, the other two questions on the card was, um, what does Dr. Ennis prescribe to treat rickets? a exposure to natural light b application of leeches c corrective surgery
0: exposure to light
1: yeah that was kind of a giveaway um and the second question ross advises elizabeth to tell george the truth about their past relationship (laughs) and valentine's parentage true or false
0: false he would never give good (laughs) advice
1: Yes, false. He advises her to lie in order to save her marriage. I
0: mean, honesty is not really in Ross's vocabulary
1: sometimes. <laughs> oh, Lord. Anyway, that's the card game. And I saw that there was a um, uh, suggestion uh, that came in the Ask box for us to do, like, a musical uh, version to to play a piece of music from Ann Dudley's uh, fantastic score, and see if we can guess which scene it was used in.
0: Girl, like, I can't even remember Malcolm McNeil's name. You think I can remember <laughs> music?
1: <laughs> oh gosh. <sighs> well, that could be a fun one to to think about doing, uh, maybe for the podcast uh, as we move forward uh, to have like a song. Uh, Quiz and play a little section of one of the songs and ask folks to send in their answers. Maybe we hold a not not a contest, but you know, maybe you know, we the should do our own like polar quiz answer. show,
0: like have some people on, like family fortune style, so I can go
1: like <clears throat> <laughs> <Ding>! <laughs> oh, family feud, okay. Okay, um, well, you know, who knows what'll happen. Uh, Stay tuned. So this is all from us this time, but we will be back next week recapping and discussing episode 507 and 508. Until then, follow us on social media where we keep you guys up to date with new promotional photos, cast interviews, and other general news from the latest episodes ever of Poldark. We are at Poldark Fancast on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. If you'd like to be read out in the inbox section, then email us at poldarkfancast at gmail.com or go to our message page on Tumblr. And remember, you can now listen to us on Spotify. So remember to follow us there or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Say oops upside your head. 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 Back at you again. Up side your head. Say Radio station. Up up W-G-A-P. <W-G-A-N-S-2> <G-A-N-S-2>
0: say now say on all you up capers up and you the finger snappers, you toe cappers, and you love lap
1: lap lapses. I want y'all to say this with head. me. <laughs> say, it say it loud. Bigger the head, the bigger the head.